bronche, bronche. That's how we say brunch. Here's to the ladies who stay busy with their lunch. Yo anda bochinche. Paquete con pinche. You know what they said? Got too busy, got too thinking. Aquí en esta mesa se respeta como ñón. Si la copa está llena, yo te doy la bendición. So what if we get batches? We from the Bronx. That's it. Don't get it twisted. We be going to Manhattan. Be a queen. Be a boss. Ladies who brunch are popping off. Hey, we pop, pop, and pop it off. We, we pop, pop, All pop right. The episode's about to start. What's up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of Ladies Who Bronche. I'm Julissa. What's good, everybody? This is Skittles. And this week, <laughs> I'm so fucking hype because <laughs> you're favorite people on the planet. And I, I know I say that, and I have like a group of people who are like in this grouping of favorite people of the planet. And this is one of the first people who's made it on that list. And before mm-hmm. I even let them introduce themselves, I want to tell a little anecdote. Um, so the first time I saw this person was on stage and they were performing a, a piece at MCC Theater. Um, and I just remember it was, I want my words to fuck you. Um, and I was like, wow, that's so powerful. And I believe in the piece, you do talk about uh, your identity a bit. And I was just like, oh, this is intriguing. This person is so intriguing. And, you know, I wasn't in the theater company then. And then I, you know, there was a day I was in Union Square and I was crossing like in the tunnels to transfer trains and I saw you. And I didn't stop to say anything because I didn't know you, but I remember feeling excited as though I had seen a celebrity on the street. It was very exciting to me. I was like, oh, that's that's the guy from the show. Oh my God, that's the guy, the, the one that was incredible. Um, and that was my first impression of you and that like excitement and like, ex- like fucking glory and just like, oh, actually still remains and has not changed throughout the years. So I know who you are to me, but Lambi, who the fuck are you? <laughs> um. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Lambi, um, also known as Gina Kickstand, uh, also known as Sad Bitch Number 0865. <laughs> <laughs> as um, Minister Ashinka Shea McFadden. Um, I am the proud father of a cat who is not so proud of me um, <laughs> for many reasons. <laughs> um, um, he's here during my grinder hookups. Um, but I am very, very happy to be here with you guys. I'm a kid from the Bronx, from Queens. Um, and I'm excited to be here with the two of you for the first time on your platform. I'm very excited to be here, actually. Like, I kind of be in my bedroom, like, kind of grooving out to your opening, actually, because it's so fucking funky. So yeah. I'm very excited. I'm a little bit fangirling it, but I'm being cool about it. I feel like we just, like, we get to, like, change places, because apparently you were fangirling about me. So I'm here. I'm here yes. for it. Yes, and shout out to Joe and Dozo who who made that track for us. Yeah, um, yeah so you know, Lambie, I, I you know I just have to say like you know, you're an incredibly in- talented actor, right? An incredibly talented writer, um, and I'd love to hear a little bit about what your introduction to that world was. Oh wow, um, my introduction to theater. Uh, came from me not really wanting to go home, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I was roaming the halls um, 
uh, one day after school uh, just because like, you know, schooling had just gotten out and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm a child of the 90s. So, you know, shit's hard at home. Um, and uh, our fearless leader, um, Lucy Thurber was the drama director um, at my school at the time. And she came bounding down the hallway. Um, Lambie, what are you doing between now and whatever the fuck the time that the show was going to be uh, produced? Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not doing anything. And she was like, fine, you're in the show. Um, and she dragged me up to the auditorium for my first rehearsal of Our Town. Um, and not our town. We did our town. our town. It is always our town, but you know, our production was lit. Our production was fucking lit. It was good. Um, and I played, was I, I, yeah, I played Editor Webb. Um, and I did my first show um, uh, just out of happenstance. And the community that you can develop in the theater is so instantaneous and so supportive. Um, so I got really stuck into that and I got really into that aspect of that because I wasn't growing up, I didn't really watch a whole lot of movies, you know, like I didn't have the, um, thing of like, oh, I really want to be, um, Will Smith or Martin Lawrence or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it was really just like, oh, these people will have my back. These people will look out for me. These people will tell me that I'm important and that I'm good at something. And that was really big for me. Um, and Lucy being the writer that she is and cultivating the writers around her and stuff like that, eventually I started writing, which I was doing a little bit in middle school as well. Um, but more or less, that's how I came into it. And I met you, I met people at MCC, I made other connections and here I am now. And here you are and, and fully evolved into this just really insightful artist. Um, and I think that that's what I appreciate the most about the way you show up in spaces and the way you know your work presents itself is that it, it is not ever pointing a finger, but it does wave attention to things and it just asks, right? It yeah. doesn't demand anything specific of you other than you, than you choosing to engage it and mm -hmm. giving it the respect of listening. I really... I really appreciate you saying that actually. It's, um, for real, it's really, really kind of you. I think that people, um, I don't really watch Schitt's Creek actually, but my roommate has been really getting into it. Um, but I appreciate the, the culture around Schitt's Creek was that like, you know, we're not teaching a lesson about um, what it's like to be gay in the world or anything like that but we're showing a world where like it's okay and what are the what are the options and opportunities that come out of that um and that's something that i feel like i've always been trying to cultivate in my work as well just um like what is it like to have the things that I've learned, the mountains, the work, the work that it took to climb the mountains that I've had to climb, have that radiate around me as opposed to me always pointing to it. Um, and uh, I feel like that has been a lot, uh, very effective um, in my work. So thank you for saying that. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah, I'm a super fan. I'm a super, super fan. Oh, we fangirling. Let's get into the world change. 
Let's get yes. into it. Let's get into it. <laughs> so baby, what is your go-to brunch, bebida, when you go out to brunch? Okay, so my go-to, if you're asking me my go-to, it's definitely a mimosa. But mm-hmm. I, that's like that's like the fallback. But I will ask the waiter if they make hot toddies, mm-hmm. which I know is not a common thing for brunch. But I am a tea drinker. I love to sip hot beverages. I'm the bitch that will be sipping on a hot tea in August in the sun because that's just how I roll. Um, and I love a hot toddy, honey, clove, lemon, um, your Jameson and hot water. That's it. Don't put no tea bag in my hot toddy. I will not <laughs> do not put no tea bag in my fucking hot toddy. Um, but yeah, that's my, that's, if I can get a hot toddy made right, that's wow. what it is. That's open brunche the restaurant down the line which is a new endeavor in my heart that i have yes i love that french 24 7 um but i i i wonder like the drinks that people want to drink and why and it makes sense right because if we go to alice's teacup you know for for like that nobody's questioning the endless tea why are we questioning and yet, I seem to be the person that's always questioning the, the endless tea at Alice's Tea Cup. <laughs> I'm always the bitch. Me and Julissa will go to Alice's Tea Cup, and I'm always the bitch that's like, can I get something that's not tea? <laughs> <laughs> there was that one time I managed to have you pick out a tea that you liked, that you were able to, that you were able to sit through. I feel like the the one that I always, always remember is when they brought me apple juice, but they still brought it in like a tea pot. I remember but that. I remember. <laughs> I still got the experience. It's so cute, actually. Like, I feel like that's like drinking your golden fruit champagne out of a wine flute. Uh, out of yes. a champagne flute, you know? Like, it's like you get the color of the tea. Right. I think that's really cute, actually. Yeah. That's fatherhood. That's that's. I'm going to not store that away for fatherhood. <laughs> <laughs> so then also when you're drinking your hot toddy what is your go-to brunch plate um i love a very well-made french toast Ooh. Um, what, is a, what is a very well-made french toast for you? and that's the question isn't it um i love i love a really thick cut brioche that is not overly doused in the custard. I like my French toast a little bit dry. I don't like my French toast mm. to be too soggy mm-hmm. in the middle. Yeah. Um, I like that sweet. I like the syrup and stuff like that. I like tons of fruit. I love yes. some yogurt. Ooh, um, have you ever been to Hotel Chantal? No, I need to so, do it. Yeah, there's this place called Hotel Chantal. I had my birthday there like, Oh my God, when I was like in my 20s. <laughs> I don't even remember, it was like maybe like three years ago, right? Um, but they have, they have like this deal where you can do a prefix for like your birthday, da-da-da, family style brunch. They have this French toast. Oh, and it has like, oh it's like two pieces of French toast and then there's like a custard in the middle. Wait, like it's like, what kind of custard is it? Like, I mean, is it the custard? Like, is it the custody from, like, the bread um, being soaked in the egg dip or, like... No, no, no. It's, like, a custard that they put in the middle. Like a... Ooh, I'm here. Yeah, like a vanilla-y type of... Like, kind of like a cake situation, but, like, 
And then they I have like, that. and then they have like, you know, the fruit on top of it and shit. It's delicious. I fucking, I love French toast. I actually, like in the world of pancakes, French toast, waffles, I usually go for waffles first, then French toast before I go for pancakes. Uh-huh. I, if, mm-hmm. I'm French toast, pancakes, waffles. I love a French toast. If I'm out, if I'm out, I love doing French toast. If I'm home, I love doing pancakes. Waffles is a whole other thing. Um, because <laughs> uh, you need that iron and all the other jazz like that. Um, and for some reason, I don't know, I prefer a pancake over um over waffle. Um, but the French toast, if they do it right, it just hits and get that good sausage, that real good flavorful sausage. Mm. I like a whole feast for my brunch whenever I do it. Oh, it's my turn. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Literally like this. And and mind you, it's not even that I'm like, I was like, yeah. And I was stuck in the thought of a French toast is what it was. I haven't eaten yet today. So I was like, huh, French toast, my birthday. Yes, yes. French toast on my birthday. And then I was like, oh, it's I fuck with French toast in the way that like, that's like, if I'm not going to make a bacon and egg situation for breakfast, I'm probably going to do French toast. Because, like, you just potato bread, whisk a fucking egg, vanilla, cinnamon. Mm. But for some reason in my mind, because, like, if I'm ever making French toast, um, like, it's it's just a lot of work. Because, like, I need the bread to be dried out. Um, I need the bread, like I need, there's, there's a way to do it. Um, so like pancakes is just like you throw it all together and it's done. But French toast is kind of, for me, um, a two day process actually. Oh, wow. Um, you boost me. I know. Whatever, I, whatever, whatever. I am. <laughs> I am. <laughs> Lambie, I'm literally sitting on your boat because I'm like, the one or a few, the few times I've ever made French toast for, for myself, I'm like, why the fuck did you even do that? Like, why would you, you're not happy with this French toast. It's not the French no, toast. I fuck with my own homemade French toast. Fuck out of here. <laughs> you be making the French toast with the Wonder Bread? <laughs> no, not Wonder Bread with potato bread. It's good though. <laughs> You gotta fuck with my you 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 gotta just taste it. You can't bang it till you try it. That's okay. True. <laughs> so uh Lambie, tell us a bit about what it was like going out to eat growing up. Um, it's it's meant to do exactly what it just did. Let's unpack. Yeah, I know, right? Um, girl, we never went out. Um, I mean, like going out. Going out meant like ordering from the Chinese food, uh, the Chinese place, you know. Um, there was this really one, there was this really sweet time where one of my mom's boyfriends, one of the, one of like the good boyfriends, like rented a car and we drove somewhere in Bumfuck, Jersey and went to Friendly's. Um, and that was a big deal. I love, like, I was like, I don't even know Friendly's that well, but we went to Friendly's. It was so cute. Like I sat in the back seat, we drove for, in my mind, hours. Um, but it was just nice being in the back seat. My mom and her boyfriend was up in the front. I don't even remember if there was anything being played or anything like that. Um, but we went to Friendly's and got like a nice little burger and stuff like that. And we chit-chat and then went home. But it wasn't a common occurrence at all growing up. Um, 
Uh, which I wonder how that has affected like my upbringing now because like I'm very much like I'm a chicken sandwich. See, like it's funny because I just claim being bougie. Yeah, but I'm a did. chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm a did. chicken sandwich from the deli. I used to go to the Sizzler. He was like, I used to go to the Sizzler every fucking week. Don't ever come for my French toast again, you chicken sandwich ass bitch. Fuck out of here. I love my fucking chicken sandwich. I love my chicken sandwich. I love my fucking chicken sandwich from the deli. I have one deli on. I'll shout out to the deli on 115th and Lennox because they're the only place yes. that be making the chicken sandwich right. Is it a fried um, chicken I'm, sandwich? Is it a grilled chicken sandwich? See, it depends on my mood. If I'm trying to lose weight, then it's a grilled chicken sandwich. <laughs> but if I'm being a little indulgent, then it's a fried chicken sandwich. I've been really into the spicy chicken sandwich, not from Popeyes, but from the deli. Um, but yeah, I feel like I'm just, I, I feel like that has definitely bled into like how I engage food now mm -hmm. and stuff like that, which is so odd because when I cook for other people, I like to go above and beyond. I like to try to make it very special and stuff like that. Um, but the food that I make for myself is very, very basic. And I wonder, I wonder, I'm not sure if that's the case, if that is connected to how infrequently we went out to eat and stuff like that yeah. um but it was i mean like i i also we also there was a lot of ceremony around food um and that ceremony i mean like you know growing up in the 90s we were definitely on welfare first of the month that ceremony started um when we went to the supermarket you know just the celebration of just going wild and not had just throw it in the car Throw it in the cart. Throw it in the cart. Fuck it. We getting that too. Um, I might even get some honey nut shit. I might even get some fruit loops or something like that, you know? No. Um, so like, you know, the ceremony around that building ceremony in places that there might not necessarily be ceremony. Um, normally there might not be ceremony. There was um, a special thing growing up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's beautiful actually. Um, and I think that it's interesting because I wonder, like you're looking at it from that angle and I'd even be curious if like your brain remembers what it was like to then have the power in the going out to eat, right? How like now the relationship to going out to eat, or at least I know I had that moment for myself where I was like, I went from it's special occasions only to like, oh my God, I eat out all the time. I've almost lost reverence for yeah. what it means yeah. to go to a restaurant and yeah. sit down and be served. Yeah, I hear that. Um, and I definitely, I mean, like, it's not like I don't go out because I mean, like, I'm hanging out with y'all bougie asses. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, one thing, like, I mean, in my mind, I feel like I always inflate the price of the food when I go out to eat. And like, it is expensive when you go out. But in my mind, I'm just, I'm going to be putting down hundreds of dollars down for a fucking night eating and so like that and I'm just like it only comes up to for like two or three people it only comes up to like a hundred bucks which is a lot but it's not as crazy as I like I'll like blow it up in my head mm -hmm. um so the coming going out to eat is always just kind of like 
oh, it's not that bad. Oh, it's not that bad. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm still going to be able to pay my rent. I'm still, <laughs> you know, exercising survival mentality and poverty mentality is definitely um, a mountain to climb. <laughs> definitely. Yes. And so what is your favorite bochincha topic to discuss over a meal? I love talking about dick. I love, I love talking about dick. I love talking about sex. I love talking about the grinder hookups. Um, uh, I love talking about, I love unpacking trauma over meals, over meals too. I really, really do. I love like touching base with my friends about like, this is where I'm at in my healing process. These are the things that I'm considering. I'm not, you know, like I said, like I didn't really grow up, um, engaging in a lot of movies or engaging in a lot all the I didn't have cable consistently so I wasn't talking about all the cute things on Cartoon Network and MTV um growing up but um unpacking like where my soul where my heart where my mindset is at has always been my um my go-to for that kind of stuff that's where I feel the most home I feel the most tuned in actually yeah. Um, but the dick is definitely a big <laughs> and dick sucking, particularly dick sucking, actually. <laughs> I mean, can we induct you into our hashtag swallow squad or swallow you squad? Please. Me, Skittles and Curly. <laughs> I love it. Okay, so put your right hand over your heart. <laughs> I... I Alexander Lambie. Alexander Lambie. Vow to vow to suck dick with all of my heart's desires. To suck dick with all of my heart's desire. And to swallow and whenever to swallow my whenever heart. my heart my heart wants to. <laughs> and I appreciate that actually. <laughs> no, because sometimes that. sometimes you decide that you don't want to swallow. And that's well, I mean, actually, how do you guys feel about do you do are you guys let's 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 have the bochicha. Um, <laughs> do you guys prefer swallowing over facials or facials over swallowing? I do not like facials at all. I've never had a facial because I or you just, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, because it's either it's either like in my mouth and then it comes out, or it's just like goes in. I don't know, man. I love, <laughs> I love, I love the, I love the fireworks. We'll just leave it at that. Uh, <laughs> I love the fireworks, and I just sometimes, yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. Just get it all, get it all. Oh! I just once, once, um. <laughs> Somebody like accidentally um, like came not, not in my eye completely, but that some of it like got in my eye. My mm. eyes were for hours. He's wow. on that McDonald's diet, ain't he? It <laughs> awful. And I was like, I could, and, and that wasn't a facial. Like it was literally like an accidental. Like oh, he came and like was like like pulled out. I guess assuming that he should not have done it in my mouth, yeah. right? And yeah. Pulled it out. And it was like. <laughs> um, and that taught me everything I needed to know about how I feel about facials. That's it. I don't, I'm, 
I don't know, man. Like I, I'm totally the, I'm totally the guy that's like, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, upstanding and stuff like that. But I love being a freak. I love doing hoe ass shit with my boy, with 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 who I hope will eventually be my boyfriend. I love yes. doing hoe ass shit with like somebody that I'm with, um, for real, because uh, yeah. you know, safety and all that jazz. Absolutely, and we're gonna talk about it in the WAP spot later. We gonna okay. We gonna pin it, we gonna come back to Let's it. Let's do it. <laughs> so now, let's move into our cheers to the ladies who section where we shout out dope people doing dope shit. Oh my fucking God. Judas and the Black Messiah. My Dominic Lord. Fishback. Dominic Fishback. Fishback. Is Fish name, back is the name. Dom oh. came into this role and really devoured it. She has always been hungry for her craft, and that is something that I've always, always abs- absolutely appreciated about her. But she came in with that hunger and she devoured her role. Um, so <coughs> for those who don't know, Black Messiah is a film uh, about the Black Panther Party, specifically around uh, Chairman Fred Hampton. Um, and the betrayal that happened that led to his assassination by the FBI. And Mm. I have, like, I am familiar with the story. I've read up on the story, but um, to see it self-actualized on the screen felt like hearing the story for the first time, even though I knew where it was going the whole time. Mm. And they did a really beautiful, I, I won't say how they did it, but the way that we witnessed the moment of the assassination, they chose something that I thought was appropriate because it elevated the plane of black women in our community watching us get destroyed. Mm. As opposed to the trauma of watching our black men die. Mm. And and so I like, you know, and the film had me gripped the whole time, but you know, I had so I went, I was with um Derek and Addie of the New York Dose, and I was with mm-hmm. Amida Leon, amazing performer we all know um all of us know these mm-hmm. people but for those who don't right so we are all part of mcc the program that um Lambie was referring to and we all met each other in that space and so we had the privilege of going to a small premiere that she put together she rented out a theater in new jersey at an amc which by the way sidebar whoa i can't wait till you guys go to the movie theater for the first time ever again because that shit had me trippy i was like oh my god i'm in a concession stand oh my god i'm sitting in this theater and it's just like surreal to be back in the movies but like to be back in the movies for my homegirl made it just like all the more special anyway so um you know we were watching the film and as we were watching it we were just like damn like she's owning this screen like here we are and she's just owning it in such a particular way and um i i'm proud I'm proud as hell and I really did prepare myself to walk into the film and try not to have my biases about like how much I love Dominique be the thing that was dominating what I was watching as well as not being so distracted by how easily triggered I am around black issues these days and have that distract from me paying attention to the performance um and they just did it's almost like they knew they knew the the time at which they were releasing the film they understand the ways in which we get triggered they understand how sometimes we have to see things that are painful but they also understood how to highlight that pain in a way that was speaking to us and not exciting the people who watch on the side Mm. 
Um, and that's really, that that would be my review without revealing, for those who don't know Fred Hampton's story, you know, revealing what actually is the full event. But like, she's out here killing it, y'all. And I know y'all- Crushing it. I'm Crushing so, it. I'd love to just hear, let's give Dom some flowers, y'all. For yeah. real, she's like, she has always been on her shit. Like, and like, it's funny because like, she'll go away and make her moves. Like, it's just like, she'll go away and hustle and stuff like that. She is always going to find like the hustle. And like, there was a point where it was like, I looked up and I was like, where's Dominique? And then all of a sudden I'm looking at billboards. And I'm looking at her on like a screen. I was like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, she, there she is. Oh, shit. <laughs> So real, cheers to Dominique, because like, I mean, she is out of here holding it down, having Jamie Foxx like singing her praises, like yeah. having all these people like, how, like, like, like Hollywood and like the, like these big budget movie making machines are making space for her. She doesn't have like, I'm not sure, actually, I'm not sure how, what her exactly the specifics of her come up was, but from what I see, there has just been so much love for her and so much respect for her talent and her work ethic. And that's everything I know her to be. So that's, I'm just really happy for her. I hope she's proud of herself. I hope she's really, really proud of herself. Yeah. I hope you're proud of yourself, girl. I was gonna say, uh, I'm gonna send a tag her so that she hears this. I, I hope you're proud. <laughs> I was telling her, and I'm glad that like unprompted you sort of got into it. I was telling her her work ethic has always been so powerful, but yeah. it is that with her belief, right? Like she holds on to her dreams and she puts in the work because of the belief of the dream. And it's not that she works and then suddenly dreams start to manifest because she just stumbled upon things. No, she knows what she wants. She knows what she wants and she has such a power in getting it, right? And she talked um, on my IG, I have put a little 30 second clip for, uh, during the Q&A after the film and, and her talking about like how, you know, what you put out into the universe, like it regurgitates it back to you. Like, and she's like, it is that simple. And there was, I mean, it was a beautiful longer Q&A and I wish I'd have recorded all of it, but I thought it was so important for community to be in that space with her and not just us who are in the mix and our artists with her, but also like people from her block, like, you know, like her people sitting there and listening to her at this premiere of what is going to be one of the biggest breakthroughs in her career, one of many. Um, and look at them in their face and be with them in that moment, not in Hollywood, not a traditional like red carpet thing. She did it for herself, but because she wanted to, to celebrate it with her community and look at them and say, guys, I need you to believe me when I tell you all it takes is you actually believing in yourself and your dreams and just doing it. That is all it takes. There's no magic wand. There's no, you just have to do it. And like hearing her speak, it was just so powerful because like we all know her to be powerful from our younger years, but we're adults now. You right. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, and some people who were cool when they were kids have grown up and they're pretty shitty adults. And mm -hmm. she just actually has aged like fine wine like this woman is out here and she's coming for hollywood's fucking head and i cannot yeah. wait and i mean like there's there's so much there's so much um it's so powerful i think also i mean i hate i kind of hate saying this but like coming up as a kid from the 90s or shit like that like growing up with people who are making it and doing it and seeing like the a to b transition um is just really inspiring 
and mm-hmm. it's just like it, it like I mean like you know you get to be like oh yeah like you can like she's saying it but she's also living it and like watching her live that realm um has just been really inspiring for me it's getting me up and it's getting me writing and it's getting me doing my work and trying to figure out what I want and what I want who I want to be and stuff like that so it's just that radiation of just like this is what I had to do and how she just radiates that to me um has just been really rewarding um uh so for real cheers to her cheers to her yes. um, for real and her fearlessness um well, or her ability word I haven't thought of that's word. fearlessness or her ability to cope with her fear um i don't want to say that no like she i don't want to say either way because like i said i don't know the intimacy of the journey but like that shit's hard um that shit's hard and um she did it. She's doing it. She's doing it every day. Uh, so, real. Cheers to her. Cheers to her. Yes. I mean, I'm excited to watch the movie. I I've seen her in like a couple of movies. I met her on a hike with Derek, and she is mad cool. People's like, um, I'm I'm literally I'm just excited to see it. I think I think that's so cool. I like it is an inspiration to see someone like go from being you know one of your homegirls to to becoming famous is very inspiring like i wearing all those clothes that she be wearing too yo, for real. the fucking vogue post that she posted like yo. last week or two weeks ago oh my god she looked gorgeous rent free in my brain oh my mm-hmm. god she stay looking beautiful and she be looking sexy too i get to say that she be like showing off all the legs all the legs showing off all the clear skin showing off everything i'm just like girl all right right." on their throat to make it look good and all the hair like just like come on girl the hair is everything everything Everything. yes and one fact is that dominique this is this is so random, but like there was like year, a couple years ago, I Dominique was here and like I had a meal with her and we were hanging out with my nieces and we were talking about hair. And she at that point was very deep into her natural hair progression. I was like months out from my like what I was claiming as my last blowout. Um, and I was telling her how much I struggled and she like literally she was like, she was like, yeah, don't do it. It's not worth it. Da, da, da. And she was talking about it. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was doing that thing where I listen to people. I validate what they're saying and I understand it, but I know I'm not going to follow suit because I just don't feel ready, ready to, but they're right. And like, we were talking and I think she like, it was like her magic. She like picked it up. Like, cause I was doing the hunt and she looked at me and she was like, no, Julissa. And she like grabbed me and she was like, do not blow out your hair. Do not do it. Just do not do it. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, a bitch has not blown out her hair. <laughs> she gave mm. you the till you do right by me. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna listen. But but I think that the power in that is that, that she, you know, we all had to go through our evolutions and coming into our body and our natural beauty, like Dom included, right? Yes. And the power that she, it's almost like a no bitch because I'm doing it for us, right? It's almost like a, we're doing this. Like we are doing this together. We are evolving from that to this. Yes. To and, and, and like 
I feel like when she, in all of her work, she screams that way, but like the, just the power in knowing her is sort of what I wanted to wrap on is like the power and just knowing her and, and how she carries that as a human. And so yeah. to Dom, for you, like, no, it's not just about you when a camera's on you and how cool that is. It's that you as a woman, the way you walk in this world and the way you hold people accountable and the way you, you model behavior is fucking powerful. Word. And don't ever forget that. And so. there's also, sorry, I mean, like, there's also oh, the thing of like, I mean, to celebrate her on this intersection um, of her being involved in this narrative around the Black Panthers, like, I mean, talking about people starting from the bottom and now we're here, like, I mean, these people were just literally just like, we are going, we are not going to have these police officers in our neighborhoods um, uh, harassing our people. They can do their job, but we're going to make sure that that's all they do. And they went from just being this group of people, I forgot exactly what part of California it was, but this group of people who was just like, you know what, if you're going to take it there, we will take on the FBI. We will take on these people. We will, um, we will challenge because we're not going to back down and we're not going to let you gaslight us into thinking that it's okay for you to beat us in the head and treat us like um, crap and like to see the ways in which like what we know of Dominique's journey kind of foiling that is just also, it just adds, it just adds to it. It's just icing on the cake. So yeah, we definitely proud of you. We're rooting for you, girl. Keep on doing your thing. And whatever that means for you, just keep on doing your thing. Yeah. Um, for real. Yes, yes, because we're going to see more from Miss Dominique Fishback. I promise you that. And it's going to be more than just film and TV because that girl got several talents, a.k.a. subverted. Okay, let's not forget that this woman wrote herself a whole one-woman show, performed Word. it, and wow. slayed it. Okay, before all of this. So just Word. so we're aware. This is not hype of, oh, because she made it now and now it's hype. No, she always been that bitch, period. Always, period. always. Oh, can I have some? Okay. All right, and now we're going into our Tuta Loca section where we call out motherfuckers who are doing the most. And the today most. we are talking about Britney Spears, the framing Britney Spears documentary, and more specifically, Britney Spears' battle with her father, Jamie Spears, who is her con the conservator of her state. So, Lambie, you haven't watched Framing Britney Spears. Julissa no. has watched Framing Britney Spears, and I did a whole IG Live anticipating <laughs> and watching yeah. Britney Spears, Framing Britney Spears. Um, so just to put into context, um, New York Times came out with a documentary called Framing Britney Spears, which brought into focus Britney Spears' rise to fame, um, her tumultuous relationship with the media, and then, of course, the conservatorship that she's been under for the last 13 years. So since 2008, Britney Spears has been under a conservatorship by her father, where she is literally not able to make any um, personal decisions or financial decisions for herself. So if she wants to go out and buy Cheetos and a Starbucks Frappuccino, she has to ask permission from her father. Mind you, conservatorships are usually given to people who are like so, so in a state that they're like in a vegetative state that they cannot make these decisions for their finances or their person, right? So he's, her, he's the conservatorship of her person and of her estate. 
But for the last 12 years, Britney Spears has had three albums, three worldwide tours. She's done TV, she's done live TV. Um, so how is someone who is working so much not capable of making these life decisions or you know these financial decisions? Um, and so the documentary just did a really good job of putting into perspective everything that Britney Spears had gone through since she was a kid. Um, and I think that with the rise of like consciousness on mental health, people are looking at it through a different lens. And it's very clear that if Britney Spears were like at her prime now, people would have treated her differently than they did in 2007. Um, so I know for me know personally, I, this is something that I've been following for years because you guys know that I'm obsessed with her career. And so me as a fan, I could see it and I could see the shift. I could see how the how her music was different, how the presence was different, you know, and I've been following it for years because I'm part of like that, you know, community of people who are tuned in to specifically what's going on with her. But for the rest of the world, I know that it wasn't necessarily anything that people were thinking about at all. So um, I know that I'm happy that it's shown a light on it and, and that people are now conscious of it and it's spawning all these apologies. Sarah Silverman has apologized on her podcast. Justin Timberlake apologized to her and Janet Jackson. Can we talk about that one, Justin one? Can we talk about Justin real quick before we- Let's talk about it. Yeah. Because, fuck you. Yo. There's several layers to that fuck you, not even just on behalf of women. And this is not to overshadow Britney Spears in any sort of way in this moment, but in moments, in a moment, even just last year and the year before that, or whatever the most recent Super Bowl performance he had had a couple years ago, people were, were talking about you with Janet and you didn't issue that apology then. At all. It wasn't until now it's about Britney and this other shit that now you feel like you have to apologize to both because, mm -hmm. oh, you realize you apologize to the first bitch and if you only apologize to Britney, we're gonna call you out for not apologizing to the black woman too who, by the way, is more iconic than you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Who and remained more iconic even after that shit. You yeah. know, I just, I don't have time for it. I don't have time for your apologies so that you make sure you don't lose your fans. Sorry. First off, like, go ahead. The, the apology, first off, he didn't really say anything in the apology. He like, it, he really didn't say anything if you read the apology. And then also, putting the words Britney and Janet in the same sentence and saying that you want to apologize because this is a conversation that you want to be a part of is not an apology at all. It really um, isn't. It's not an apology at all. And people have been hounding you for years. Every single year when the Super Bowl comes around, people are hounding you with memes, with gifs, with tags. Justin Timberlake needs to apologize to Janet. Justin Timberlake needs to apologize to Janet. Because her career, though we were part of the community that still did see her career after the Super Bowl. Her career was never the same after the Super Bowl. Yeah. And that's unfortunate Weird. because Janet Jackson is an icon. So now yes. all of a sudden, because this is put into the spotlight, now you feel like, oh, let me put Janet's name in there too because I don't want nobody to say anything. Fuck out of here. And oh, oh, you just so conveniently happen to have a movie coming out. I didn't even know that. I didn't know that either. Yeah. And I was wondering, I, I was like, mm, he's gonna drop an album soon or something. That's what I. That's where my brain. Went. He has a movie. Hmm. 
I have like I have like two my like, I mean I'm I like personally I'm just kind of like I'm with you Julie so like just fuck you because like it's like you know how to make yourself present you know how to and like it's like he left I mean, I've always been I've always been a Janet Jackson girl because I feel like I mean, like I said, I didn't grow up with um, uh, consistent. I just had access to Janet's music. I also think, and this is like my come like my process of coming out and stuff like that. Um, in the community that I was growing up in, if like you were into Britney, like that was more of a signal of you being gay, mm-hmm. um, and like and navigating around that as oh like, it wasn't just kid, it was all like, of our community <laughs> that was my that was, well, yeah i just no i just because i just wanted to make sure like i don't want to speak to <laughs> particularly your experience but for real like i'm sure you know like it's just like yeah. that's more of a spotlight Janet, you, you got she was like r&b she was like cool you there was a little bit more and Britney was influenced by Janet. Like Britney has yeah, well, that influence. And like, so was Justin. Exactly. Yeah. And so was Justin. And like that's the thing. It's just like for her for a while. By huh? the way, I cut you off. I was like, because if I'm not mistaken, if I remember correctly, and Sync spent uh, some time opening for Janet Jackson on one of her tours. Um pretty sure i know backstreet boys like they did like the that's the way love goes cover like no, no, jackson's out here touching people was in sync seen okay so yeah i definitely am on some like fuck um justin timberlake shit because like i said like you know how to make yourself present in the eye of the public you know how to do those things and like with Janet jackson like it was a fucking like pasty on a fucking nipple. Like for fucking like at the time. Five seconds. For like 0. 0.5 exactly. seconds. Exactly. Exactly. At the time, Madonna was doing way crazier shit than that. Like there's a lot of ways in which like Justin Timberlake allowed Janet Jackson to be thrown under the bus. Absolutely. Um, and just chose not and it was and just chose not to say anything. It was her performance, but the incident happened on his song. I just... I know. I'm over him. I know. I know. Yeah. I'm over him. I'm... But I'm also of the mind where it's just kind of like, I'm like, let, like, I wonder what it means, if at all. And I don't think it means much, but I just wonder what it means. And this is really for my mental sake and like me just like letting that sit where it needs to be. I wonder what his apology means for Janet and Brittany um, going forward. I like, I like, I really want to know what that means for them because I didn't listen to his apology. I'm not going to. Um, he's always been pretty flaccid, um, but yes. I, I just wonder what it means for them um to hear that and i hope that they have the platform to call them out on it i hope that they have the plat i hope that they take the opportunity to press the pedal on him to 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 twist the nipple a little bit more to make him a little bit more to own up to more accountability um because it was such bullshit and like he totally pulled the white man just like i'm going to sap up all the juice and all the flavor and stuff like that and act like you didn't spend two or three days squeezing lemons, you know? Like, I'm just, I'm just over. I'm just over. I'm over. And and I'll only add that, like, the color of what 
gets added to that is brought out by that documentary, the framing mm. because I, as a young kid, first of all, I had difficulty with like white, like really white uh, like artists because I never really got to see myself in them. And so I struggled, but the minute I knew they were Latina, then I would. So like, I loved Christina Aguilera more than I loved Britney Spears because A, I thought she sang better. And then B, I was like, and she's Latina. And yeah. same with Shakira. It was like, a, oh, she don't look nothing like me, but I love her and I identify with her because she's Shakira. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? And so mm -hmm. I I had a distance with Britney, but I always knew Britney was good. You know what I mean? I was never like, ill. her songs are dumb. Like I liked her shit, but you didn't need to buy me a Britney Spears album. I was good. Like, <laughs> but, but like seeing that and understanding that, like having this like girl attitude of like, who's, who's the one you like and who don't you like? allowed for me to digest the media fucking torment that she was receiving as like fuck her fuck her oh well she's Britney Spears she's gonna be fine and like having mm -hmm. these assumptions around her simply because she was a white woman and I saw white women have certain assumptions that that they got to live out in their lives and so in my head I was like she'll be fine she'll be fine you know she's not Aaliyah she's not all the, like I was more concerned with my women than with her but watching this now I'm like wow but what a slippery slope it is to disregard the actual harm that's happening just because of how you relate to to the person um and I think that even because Skittles has talked me through the conservatorship um at many points but having to watch it framed in that way was super important and it made me feel accountable to how we even talk about celebrities now mm -hmm. and not just like, oh, when they're having a mental health breakdown, but actually you see what made her have a mental health breakdown. Yes. You see the buildup and we participated in it. Yes. We did. And I think it's, it's, you know, it's the time is right for consumers to start recognizing their power a little more mm -hmm. because paparazzi would not be selling Britney Spears photos and moments for nearly as much money if we were more responsible around how we wanted to consume things and say no. If Britney is not in a happy, joyous moment where you respectfully are taking pictures, I'm not interested in that. Mm -hmm. I'm not buying the magazines that do that, right? Because then they have to switch their game up. And I don't think we realize that. And we let them dictate it to the point where they literally drove her mad. It was the media and us. And they made money off it. They commodified. Are making money. And they are, and are making money. It's interesting yep. to listen to the court case. Even the lawyer now putting up this appeal of like, oh, well, you know, like Britney's making X amount of money. Like, or the state is estimated to make X amount of dollar now. So I should be getting paid more. Mm -hmm. Like type shit. And it's just like everybody's feeding off of this shit. But nobody yep. wants to free this woman. Yep. Yep. How old was Britney when she started out? They st so she her parents were they're from like some town in Louisiana, Kentwood, Louisiana. Like so, they started her off at like six years old. They tried to pass her off as nine for the first um, audition for Mickey Mouse Club. When that didn't go through, they moved to New York, where she got an agent and started going to PPAS Elementary School to um, mm -hmm. you know have her music lessons and shit like that. And they were like. She was in an off-Broadway show by the time she was six years old, you know? So, like, she's been doing this, you know? And I feel like one thing that I've always, like, talked about is one of the reasons why I've, like, always gone so hard for her is because I kind of identified with this idea of she would always put on these shows. She was always, like, 
she she was always on point and yet people would tear her down and scrutinize every little thing that she did and i felt like i connected with that in my own community where i was always trying to be you know good but because i was labeled the faggot i was always put down you know and i was always shot on and so that is something that i've always resonated with her so to see people kind of like really be able to see how she's been scrutinized every step of the way and then really watch like what brought her to the meltdown and how it played out and then even watch her be like a prisoner to her father has been like oh my god people are finally understanding <laughs> it's validation it's a validation that has gone unvalid like it's I think you're right about Britney and the way people digest Britney. I think the minute they got to label her as, as crazy, her shaving her head became like the center of everything. And, and it took away from all of the work that she mm -hmm. actually just, she was, she's actually talented. And then it's funny watching the little clips of her younger and singing. Cause sometimes I'm like, oh, well, she's not really a singer. And she, maybe not the kind of music she's doing now, but she was a singer. She was a singer and she was not a bad singer. She just became a pop star, which mm -hmm. is just a very different brand and palette of, it's like, even like when we talk about Azealia sometimes, like she's a rapper, she has this thing, but like when you hear, you know, used to being alone and hear her pop the vocals, it's like, no, that's like, mm -hmm. that's really a thing also. And, <laughs> and we, had, we had a moment with that with, where when we were uh, with Azealia and we started playing Anna Wintour and we were like, oh my God, this is a bop, this is a bop. And she herself was on some like, oh my God, I hate this song. The record label made me put this out. You know what I mean? Like, oh, wow. you know, they, the record, the, the industry has control over what you get to put out and, and you know, what your sound, like the, the industry would, whatever talent she did have was manipulated into being what it is now. And so now, yeah, you know, she doesn't really have that much of a voice, but think of what years of singing like that does because you have to sound like this, you know, as opposed to if she was yeah. actually being able to train and like wasn't put into- If she was actually being nurtured. Yeah. If she was actually being nurtured. And that's the thing, like, I mean, this, like I, I tried not to get to, cause like, I feel like I am getting into like assumptions cause I don't know, um, I don't know. I only know Britney as the avatar, um, but <laughs> they're like, it's so predatory. Um, this, 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 this machine of like, you know, finding the biggest talent and and you know molding her into a money making machine because that's all that like I mean like this conserv conservatory conservatory what conservatorship the, the conservatorship conservatorship yeah the conservatorship yeah. like I feel like that that it everything about what I'm hearing about Britney's upbringing as a pop artist seems like this was always the destination for her to just be this money bank mm -hmm. for these people who like just saw her at the, as this from the beginning. Um, I wonder if she was being nurtured if um, in her upbringing would the head shaving thing have been more protected. Um, you know, like you, like I think, I think about that with Kanye, I think about that with Michael Jackson. Whitney, they did it. Yes, 
Exactly. In the ways, like, I mean, like, and like how she had to fight against that in the only way that she knew how to fight against it, but the ways in which like the predatory system of, of the, of the um, entertainment business and the gender racism that goes on in, um, in America and stuff like that, they were able to flip that into another make money making thing. Oh, she's being ghetto. Oh, she's, you know, like she's being all hostile, stuff like that. No, you guys are coming for her. You guys are all up in her business. You guys keep on asking her about questions that isn't really pertaining to what's present and what she's trying to do and how she's trying to move. Um, I mean, I think about Tina Turner, like late into her, late into her career, late in, um, even now, I think in the last couple of years, people are still asking her about Ike. And it's wow. just like, and it's just like, guys, like she's living a whole life in, I think it's Sweden now, or Switzerland, I forgot where she is, but she's living this whole life. And this is the only thing that you're interested in because it's the thing that gets people to click. It's the thing that gets people to pay attention. It's the only, it's the only aspect that you care about, whatever is going to get people to look in your direction. And it's, it's just really fucked up. Um, it's really, really fucked up. And that's another reason why I'm just thinking a lot about like, how are they responding to it? How are they responding to Justin's thing? Because it's not about, it's not about us. This person really left them, left them high and dry and they have to cope with that. They've been doing work to cope with that. So can they, these women actually do the work to be centered and, 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 like I said, twist the nipple to make this guy really see the bullshit that he has um, engaged in. 100%, 100%. Well, I just hope they free Britney. I'm definitely engaged. Yeah. Well, I'm there definitely- was an update. There was an update on Thursday. There was a trial and the judge granted uh, the Bessemer Trust Bank to have 50% like control over the conservatorship so now even though jamie objected to that he did not want to give up power so now he only has 50 percent control that's so gross that's so gross yeah it's it's really i i can't wait for you to watch it and like i said it's very it's not like two hours long or anything like that it's it's short and i think it's i can't wait worth the fucking watch Ooh, this looks good oh my god this is I definitely want to taste that. Mm. Oh my god. Wait, pass the salt? All right, and so now we're getting into our plate of the day. Uh, And today we are going to be talking about centering Black womanhood and uh, embracing it across genders. Now, uh, Lambie, I think you are one of the sexiest women I know. And and, and I mean that in so many ways. There There are threads of your femininity that I like have deep envy for. Like you envy my my eyelids. I envy your cooking. I envy your hospitality. I envy your grace and how you like move around. I envy the way you can twerk and actually dance and have like a rhythm that that does echo the femininity that growing up I was told if I didn't have my femininity was, was not equally valid. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when I see you, 
in your fullness and like, you know, going from the years where you were, you know, you had dreads and a Bronx letters t-shirt all the way through now where, you know, you have your earrings and you have your beautiful wraps and like when you turn into Gina, right? Like I, I and, and Gina, which I want you, you know, I want you to sort of like talk about Gina a bit throughout this conversation as well. When I first saw you as Gina, actually, and I don't mean just like you putting on some makeup. I mean, like when you were in full drag for the first time, I was like, wow, that is the person I always see. Like that is her. There she is in the embodiment of the femininity, though her femininity is always in Lambie. And so like this whole dynamic of like, who is Gina versus who is Skittles and in the same way that I'm intrigued of like Juan Carlos Ortiz versus Skittles, right? You know what I mean? Versus Cesar, like, you know, and having these facets, I think it's such a beautiful example that both of you guys actually do a beautiful job of this, of carrying your femininity in the way that you carry it. And it is not because you are copying femininity out of like a, oh, if I don't do this, then I'm not a great, it is something that you do love and you do connect. And the things that make you yeah. feel pretty do make you feel pretty, not because somebody told you that was pretty. And <laughs> I I just love seeing it. Um, and, you know, I, I love this idea of like, what power do we yield as a community when we can center our work around women and womanhood mm -hmm. as you framed it? Um, and so I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that and sort of talk about what was your perception slash relationship to black womanhood, whatever that means for you. Uh, thank you for saying all of that. That's, um, that's really, really beautiful. You guys are giving me a whole lot of flowers and I, I really appreciate that. Um, I think to contextualize my answer, um, I uh, could talk a little, I mean, about like what, how Gina came to be. Um, and uh, dressing up, I mean, like I was definitely one of those kids who like, you know, put in his mom's heels. <clears throat> I used to love, uh, you know, wrapping my blankets around me, acting like an Egyptian god. Um, and like, you know, do, making like, I used to wrap, scarves up like ball them up um um and like acted like there were cakes and stuff like that um and then you know the process of coming out and stuff like that and some of those things and living in a group home and stuff like that some of those things had to be put a little bit more to the side for the sake of what i understood about survival um what i understood about ease um, and, and so I feel like I lost a little bit of, over the years, I feel like I've lost a little bit of myself, um, because of that. Um, and there was a point in my life where like, it was really important to me at like, you know, with the understanding that like my skin is black, um, and I can walk down the street and I, and everybody that engages with me knows that they're dealing with a black man, but because of because of the way that I am able to code switch or because of how people have been talking to me, I wasn't always sure if people knew that they were dealing with a black gay man. And it was important for that to all be on the um, uh, on the surface for me. Um, 
so Gina is Gina Cake Stand is a represent is an effort in that realm of like really returning back for to form for myself, returning back to um, what brings me joy uh, to leap around and serve and um, and also to explore what it's what it's like to wield feminine energies. I think also at the same time, um, Gina Cake Stand came out of a um, bigger visibility for drag artists because of the popularity of RuPaul's Drag Race, stuff like that. And I have no interest right now of engaging that endeavor, but it's, it's safer now these days to yeah. be in New York City at the very least. Um, so that I wanted to take on that opportunity and it's just super, like I said, it's just super fun. Like, I mean, like a lip sync is super powerful. And I think, um, engaging that has always been a thing for me. It's something that I do when I'm cooking at home. It's something when I do when I'm cleaning at home, just lip syncing and like living my truest fantasy, um, because a bitch can't sing. Um, um, all of that. And um, my relationship with my mom is budding. Um, and this touches a little bit on like how I understand black femininity um, because my mom is a very particular kind of woman, a particular kind of woman that does not um, get space, I think, often that is is designed to honor her. Um, and I'm not sure if I'm necessarily trying to honor her either. I'm not sure. But I do, I, I do know that in my spirit, I I carry on her story in an odd way, not in a way of like not knowing where I begin at, where I end and she begins, but just a matter of me being her son and me be growing up around um, how she coped with womanhood. Um, and being close to that has consequences for my life. Um, not necessarily negative consequences, but it has, it has affects. Um, so whenever I'm, whenever I'm getting into drag and stuff like that, I am thinking of my, I am thinking of my mother because like I said, I, I keep on bringing this up. Like I, I was never that kid that was watching a whole lot of movies. I watched a lot of the same movies growing up and animated movies at that. So I didn't have, um, I didn't fall in love with the glitz and glam of womanhood. Um, it was very surface level for me. It wasn't something that I was, um, while I was wearing the heels at home and stuff like that and wrapping myself up in towels and stuff like that, it wasn't, um, femininity wasn't something that I took on from my, it isn't, I didn't gain my sense of femininity from the American ideal of what it means to be a woman. Um, I grew up a lot of, around a lot of really strong men, around a lot of women who had to make really hard choices. Um, 
so much so that it was, and I didn't like, and and you know, I grew up around a lot of domestic abuse and stuff like that. But that was as again, like I'm a kid of the '90s, and that in where I come from was common um, growing up, and that was one of the choices that the woman that I came up around had to contend. One of the um, uh, circumstances that the women in my life had to contend with um, growing up. Um, so whenever I think of black of femininity, not just black femininity, but femininity, um, I'm thinking of that level of strength, um, that brand strength, um, that enduring kind of strength, um, the the reality of like not every one of my choices is going to be popular. Um, not every one of my choices is going to be right. Um, not every one of my choices is going to be backed up. Um, so, I mean, I'm think, I feel like I'm presenting my drag as something heavier than what it is, because it's actually a lot of fun and it's actually, a, it's, it's a lot of lightness, but that's always in the back of my mind as well. Um, I'm not necessarily interested in just embodying the American ideal of what it means to be a bad bitch. I'm more interested in the everyday choices that accumulate into being bad bitch. Um, yeah, so that's that's where I'm at. I hope that answers the question, actually, because no, that was a whole lot of things, actually, at once. No, no, I, I, it 100% did, right? Because it talks, you know, pointing to the perception you had, and I think the insights around watching the ways in which your mom navigates the world definitely frames it. And of course, selfishly for me, knowing Osita Lambie, myself, like I know even in a- Shout out to Osita Lambie. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, but even in, and, and you didn't mention this, right, because we're talking about image, but like, I love the competitiveness out of Thanksgiving. You know what I mean? Like this idea that like, there's this, the way y'all cook and because y'all are both equally, equally great chefs, right? Like it's very, plus now. <laughs> like just, but to see the bond, a, the bond that comes from that. But again, and not because you're, you know, she's a woman in the kitchen, but there is a femininity going back to your, your point of a ritual and communion and um, no, you ceremony, excuse me, was the word mm -hmm. you used earlier. Like I see the, how the feminine energy aids in the ceremony of what those moments mean. And that's, I think why I love that Gina cake stand is Gina cake stand. And that when Gina has a show, she's cooking. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like cooking and not always, but like, yeah. you know, the stuff that you've done for bad, like, I think it's wonderful because it's almost like a sacred space of the way in which your femininity takes a particular mold. And this is what I mean about like, even before Gina, you're the sexiest woman I know. Like there's a way in which you actually infuse that love and that energy right into everything that you do so yes that answered the question um mm -hmm. and so i mean i'd love to hear a little bit about you talked about the ways in which you had to protect yourself for the sake of surviving in your world whether it's the group home or whatever other spaces you occupied but i'd be interested to know what was the community's response to your identity like not even just now maybe even progress progressively right from like 
moments in which you had to hide versus moments in which you didn't have to hide anymore? What was that experience like for you? Um, I existed on, I, I exist on the cusp of a lot of different communities. Um, I grew up, um, I spent a lot of time actually um, when I was young in the church. Um, I was, I am a product of the New York City public school system. Um, I engaged a lot in theater um, communities. Um, and I also lived in um, a group home. Um, and all of those communities had um, uh, subtle ways in which they expected me uh, or not, or, or subtle, or I, I existed in those communities um, very differently in subtle ways. Um, uh, I remember one time I was one of the youth leaders in my church. Um, and I often had to pray um, in front of the church. And I remember one time I had my hand on my hip during worship service. And this woman, one of one of the people who brought me into church, like, you know, she felt the need to like, you know, tap my hand off of my off of my hip in the middle of my prayer. And I was like, bitch, like, ain't you supposed to have your eyes closed? Like, I was just like, I'm saying. I was just like, you know, I, unfortunately, like I did, I wish that I had the, the, I wish that I had the grace to just really just address that in that moment. But it, I definitely gave her a look and I was just like, chick, like <laughs> you, you, you're interrupting me. Um, but with that said, like, I mean, like I wasn't, it took me a while to be out at church. Mm -hmm. um, I actually never really came out to my church community. I've, a lot of my church people follow me on the interwebs and shit like that. And like, they, I'm sure they got the hint. Um, mm -hmm. But I've never had that community. I never had that um, communication with them. Um, but in church, though, like, you know, I was part of my identity was also like the son of um, like I said, I'm a child of the 90s, and I'm saying that very vaguely because I don't really want to get too deeply into um, the circumstances, but I feel like people, I hope that people will understand that. And if you don't, girl, read some articles. Um, but, you know, dealing with being a poor, uh, being a poor kid in a poor neighborhood, um, the one of the poorer kids in the neighborhood, um, and having that visibility everybody knowing the circumstances because of the bochinche, because of the choices that, um, some of the choices that my mom made. Um, navigating around that was a bigger task in church than being a gay man, because in church, as long as you're quiet about the homosexuality and you're doing good on the junior usher, the junior usher board and the choir and the layman's and stuff like that, they'll take you in. That's no problem. Um, in the group home, like, I mean, like, it was just a matter of, like, being a whole around a whole bunch of men who are also figuring out themselves sexually around a whole bunch of boys who are also figuring themselves out sexually, um, even though they identify differently, like, you know, people are coming into, we're all coming into our sexual being um, and navigating around that aspect of that stuff was um, fun. <laughs> in some cases, but also um, 
precarious um at any point you know someone can decide that like i'm not i'm not you know even though i'm engaging in these actions i'm not that person you are that person i'm gonna throw you under the bus um and navigating that was was a trip um in theater though like i feel like there's a lot of ways in which i was able to be the freest form of myself that I was able to be. Um, and I think that that's why I find a lot of freedom in Gina as well, because so much of what, um, on top of like the exploration of my own femininity and the exploration of like the joy that I feel that I might have relinquished in, in, in the name of survival, in the name of transition and stuff like that, Gina is also uh, um, a exercise in my performance ability. Um, and that definitely was a big thing. I just needed something that was mine. I needed something that was going to make me fall, um, that was gonna reignite my um, relationship with theater and performance um, and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the, those are all the aspects of my um, identity and the ways that I've kind of like hopscotched around that and stuff like that. I, it, it's, it, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, 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 finish the thought, finish the thought. No, it's it's I, I I'm I'm a little bit worried though at this point because I just feel like I like this my identity and like my performance my identity as Gina exists on an intersection of so many different things, uh, and sometimes conveying that I feel I can get very jumbled. So I hope that I'm being as clear as I could possibly be. Listen. <laughs> It's clear to me. Um, go ahead. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you, Skittles, but I'm like, no. Oh, it is no, not no, no. I was just going to say that I relate to that. I relate to that idea of like with me and like Julissa, Julissa had mentioned earlier with like me having like Juan and then like Skittles and then like Cesar. And yes. Like knowing that each part of those is part of your own personality and is part of your identity yes. and validating it, but then also being able to treat it as an, an individual like thing um, yeah i mean like at, like you know exactly at school and in theater and the group home i was lambie at church i was alex mm. um with my biological family i was albie um like i definitely existed with those different names which is why and i'm going to be very transparent about it, i'm stealing erica badu's um intro of like you know i am also known as erica badu because like i do sit on the intersection of a lot of different identities and mm -hmm. the way that people engage those identities are subtly different but those subtleties are important um, those subtleties are what makes, what can make or break the relationship, I feel like. Mm -hmm. yeah, so I hear you on that. And, and I think that sort of digging into that nuance, what I, what I was going to sort of transition into is, I think even the choice of fashion, beauty, right? Those pieces. And so I'd love to hear about, you know, what like facets of Black femininity right, have really leaked its way into the way 
you dress, right? Both both Lambie and Gina, right? Like the dressing, what is what are the beauty standards for self, right? Like the way in which you present the energy that you carry. Um, what, like, you know, where did that come from for you? Uh, right now it's it's coming from you know straight on my ass um, but but um you know i remember when i was a kid like i mean i there i was i was given these like subtle like pair of heels um which was so weird because it was just like, I mean, like I was a kid that was already being bullied for being like, you know, people assuming that I was gay, but I was so determined to wear these heels. Um, but they didn't, they didn't fit me at all. Cause I felt like they exist that like I connected with them. Um, they were just like these like two inch heels, like these black shoes that like I tried so hard to get my foot into. Um, but even in the way that I, um, even in the way that my boy beat, my boy look, like it's just, um, it's very like, um, I mean, you know, I wear my long earrings because I find studs boring. Um, you know, like there's like, if I see something that I like and that is going to, um, and looks good on me, I'm gonna wear it. It's not a matter of, um, uh it's not a matter of like you know trying to live up to my identity as a male um i that used to be a thing that i was really concerned about as a teenager as an early in my early 20s but now i'm really trying to live more towards like how do i live how do i present myself as lambie how do i present myself as you know the best version of what i know how to be um with gina I, and like i mean also like i mean like with the energy and like the dancing and stuff like that that's just who i am and like i just can't you know it, it it doesn't make any like i've always been i'm very comfortable in my identity as a male but i don't feel tethered to my dick i don't feel tethered to a need to prove to people that i have a dick i've 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 i've, I've spent a lot of my life not cultivating that aspect of myself. Um, with Gina, on the other hand, it's about the performance. It's about what's going to help, what's going to breathe the most, um, what's going to help me move the most, um, uh, what's going to help me tell the story I want to tell um, on stage, um, and what feels the most true. Um, Gina is really a project into trying to dig deeper into, um, into joy and into, um, um, unbridled, um, identity. And I just, I, I, I think what, what I appreciate about, like, again, the nuance of how you step into it is, is not tied to oh, well, in the magazines, all the girls are wearing studs. And so I have to wear studs because that's beauty. It's, it's really coming from your root, which is why when people um, are always trying to, to denounce, like when men, excuse, let me be clear if you use my words that I mean, when men denounce their femininity so blatantly, I'm just like, there's room to embrace it that has nothing to do with your dick bro exactly hard like they're not you know and and i and i say that as a as a as a woman who 
leans into her masculinity. You know what I mean? Like super hard and specifically around beauty. And I think that for me stems from the emphasis around beauty and presentation for women. And I'm yes. like, no, yes. I want to dick, but I don't want to wear a dress some days. Yes. And I don't want to do, like, it's not the same thing. And I'm still the same bitch, like yes. stop with the box. So I just wanted to echo that. I think that that's part of where my deep excitement around your femininity comes from is that it's really yours. But the thing, the thing also that's tragic about men who like, you know, take so much time to like suppress their femininity is that they miss the point that they're suppressing a part of themselves. Um, and that, and that there are going to be times when that part of yourself, you will have no choice but to live in that part of yourself. It is ridiculous that men, um, you know, it's, it, there's a common understanding that like, I have empathy for women for the first time in my life because I have a daughter and that's bullshit. Like, it's just like, it's, you know, like that's totally bullshit. Like you could have done more work. You have lived around women your entire life. That is an indictment on you. Um, and like, you need to do more work. Um, and that's tragic. Um, uh, and like the thing about it is like men like that exist and men like that have been holding up our country. But like I said, there's a, um, the point is, is that there is, um, by condemning feminism, you condemn yourself. Um, and you, you, for everybody, um, for condemning the humanity and feminism and femininity, um, you, you condemn yourself. Um, and we just need to do better than that. Yeah, I, and I, and I think at a time, especially where being a black, and we're talking about men in general, but being a black man or a BIPOC man in these times where we're enduring a lot of trauma, like, like this just in, they didn't convict Trump for, for, for the, the trial. So he got off again, which we yeah. all knew what was going to happen, but it was just unfortunate because you thought maybe people talking about the fear of their lives would do it. Anyway, the trauma. And we thought that politicians in Washington, D.C. talking about the fears of their lives would, would you know, make a difference, but no. It didn't, right? So to endure that trauma, right, there are so many traits that are attributed to femininity that actually have forms that are masculine as well, but but don't necessarily shine through. And so a lot of the softness and being kind to yourself and the self-care things are associated with femininity. And it's like in a time like this for you to rob yourself of your actual genuine inherent femininity and leaning into that for your comfort and in those moments is, is crazy. And you're traumatizing yeah. yourself. You're traumatizing yeah. yourself. So I Most totally definitely. Um, And yeah, so, you know, I what do you think is, one of the biggest or some of the misconceptions that comes along with how people assume you're embodying your, your womanhood or why you're embodying your womanhood? I don't know, actually. Um, I don't know. I, you know, especially, I mean, like, I think in some ways, I feel like the misconceptions come from like the very new place that Gina is in, um, in her development. Um, uh, I've only been doing drag for two years, which is not a long time in the world of drag. Um, and I'm also, um, I'm also not a club queen. I don't think I will be a club queen. Um, 
so I'm in a very weird space of like developing Gina. Um, when it comes to my own femininity, um, people tend to not really like, especially within my theater circles, especially like it just, they don't really tend to like touch on that um, a lot. Um, I don't find uh, a lot of misconception. If they are misconceived, they stay silent and keep on listening. Mm. Mm. What do you, uh, what, what would be your answer to that one? Um, repeat the question to me one more time. That what is basically like, what's the biggest misconception people have about the way you choose to embody your womanhood? Um, the biggest misconception, I think, I mean, firstly would be the assumption that like a lot of people just don't know how to handle it at first. They, they, kind of will go to assuming that I am a trans woman and that I am, you know, maybe exploring that realm. Um, I think that a lot of people, for a lot of people, the knowledge of transgender human beings existing and like their journeys is so new to them that pushing it further and saying, no, I'm non-binary. So I'm like kind of in the middle, you know, some days you're going to see me with a goatee and then some days you're going to see me with a full face of makeup on and no, I'm not. Or both. You know what I mean? Like, I know I'm not a drag queen. Like I don't identify as a drag queen because I'm not putting it on for the show. This is how I'm presenting myself today, you know? And like, there's a lot of homework that needs to be done when it comes to like gender expression versus, you know, gender identity and, you know, all that stuff, you know? Um, mm. But I think that that would be the first misconception. Um, and the, you know, it depends. Sometimes, you know, I get treated very differently, you know? And that's why I think I, it's my responsibility to speak up for the trans community and like advocate or, you know, be, you know, amplify those voices because I get put in that category. So I get that reaction. Um, I, both the hate and the love, you know, like, cause mm -hmm. there's two sides of the spectrum. Um, and I mean, like, I love that you brought up the trans community cause as you were talking, I thought a lot about like the misconceptions that I would have when it comes to like sex and love life um, because I am a big um, black man. Like I feel like the idea of being a top is being, is definitely projected onto me a lot. Mm -hmm. And when people find out that I'm a big old bottom, um, I feel like that definitely curtails um, uh, some interest uh, because I cannot I can't use you. I can't, I can't be used the way that they want me to be, they want to use me. Um, and how that might, and that, that with that said, um, and going back to the ways in which like, you know, uh, rejection of femininity and um, femininity is a rejection of the self is that like, the ways that these men who are in who can love and 
um, a transgender woman, um, the way that they will go out of their way to deny that love or to, mm -hmm. to um, sever that identity from themselves um, is also a tragedy and leads to, and breeds tragedy. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something like that, that is always like, that's that, that's one of the ways in that I have with the trans community as well, where it's just like, you know, it's definitely a little, it's definitely different from my perspective, but like, it's like, I've been with a lot of guys where it's like, yeah, we can hook up and have sex and stuff like that. But when it comes to identity, when it comes to um, bravery, I can't go there with you. Um, I cannot go there with you. Um, and I think a lot of the people identify with that. It just sucks that we're in a place where, um, well, actually, it's, this isn't specific to our time. We just have a big spotlight on it. But the ways mm -hmm. in which men, again, are just not willing to accept that they can be down for the way that people in general cannot accept that they can be down to love on trans people is just really tragic. Um, that love can be um, curtailed by something so temperamental. Um, this sucks. Yeah, yeah. And and I, I also just, I think that the sooner that, speaking on behalf of the cishets, the sooner we can get on board with just minding our fucking business at mm -hmm. the moments where we can't understand, right? Like where it's kind of like, okay, well you acknowledge it, learn to respect it, and then mind your business about the rest, like the details of it. If it's not, if you're not living it, if it's not actually directly affecting your life, then just mind your business. You know, right. it's why I, I'm always so like, uh, when I'm on like dating apps and stuff and men are like, no trans women, you know, it's kind of like, what if I put no bum ass motherfuckers da -da 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 and start listening off shit about shit? Cause I probably should. Cause I'd ward off a lot of y'all bum ass motherfuckers. Who yes. Right, but it's just kind of like, what the fuck is that? Like, what what the fuck kind of projection of your fear of what that you match with someone and you find out, oh, because you don't know how to politely exit yourself from the situation. That's the problem because nobody wants to handle having to say, actually, I am a person who, in my levels of comfort where I'm at in my life, this is not something I choose to participate in. And we think that that makes us an asshole, but it just has to make you what it is. You know, I've said it before. Like, you know, when people are like, oh, you sure you you straight? And I'm like, it's not even about sure. It's that. In the one time in my life where I engaged a girl during a, you know, little menage, right? Like I, I realized it's just not something I have any desire to participate in, right? But, and, and also, again, the, the gender bread person is one of my favorite things because it's like the way you present versus what you feel versus what turns you on and doesn't turn, they're not connected, right? So even that moment, it wasn't a moment of like, oh, because I've always been so curious. I wasn't curious about shit, but it's what we was about to do. And I was sexually curious to know what the fuck a menage felt like. And then yeah. so it happened. Yeah. And I just realized that I wasn't really into it, but that's not to say that as a, that as a, a cis woman, I'm like, oh, um, you know, and so I'm gonna condemn pussy and like keep it 10 feet away because it's just kind of like I had that one experience and it makes me not crave it but I'm also not somebody who needs to have a huge reaction that is harmful to someone else about the possibility that that world comes close to mine or intersects with mine in any way and we don't leave room for y'all we just don't make room because it takes too it's like 
not to, I, I feel like in the past couple episodes, I keep relating, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community to being, the, to the Black community and those struggles, but like, it's almost like waiting for white people to wake up. You know what I mean? It's just, it's so... And that's, that's what's so aggravating about it because like the Black community, like, I mean, people of color, like by virtue of the ways that trans people have to speak to power, like it's even a mat, like it's just like it, it's a matter of survival. The matter, the way that they have to speak to power, you are standing on the fruits of their labor. Right. We are all standing on the fruits of their labor. So just I mean, like, you know, it makes me so sad because it just imagine a reality where like that wasn't a dividing factor. Like we as the we, we as members of the diaspora have the power to just say that, you know what, actually we have as as black people, we do not care about your sexual identity. We do not care about your gender identity. And like there's still so much because of we live in America and because we live in a capitalist society and stuff like that, like there's still so much that we have to contend with, but just taking that off the table, taking that off the table of just being like, you know, we don't give a shit about that is, would be huge if kids didn't have to grow up with so much weight on their shoulders um, about how they're gonna use their sexual bits or how they see themselves um, and stuff like that. I feel like, um that will be a huge weight off our shoulders and that's a power that we can that we have and that's a grace that we could bestow us um onto ourselves that we just choose not to um and that had that is a that is a result of history of a whole lot of bullshit but like we're at a place right now where we just know a lot we know a whole lot and we have access to a whole lot of knowledge and we can just decide that like do what you want with, do what you want sexually, do with yourself as, um, express yourself in whatever gender you feel like expressing or not. Um, and let's get on to the things that like, you know, that we can't just take off the table for ourselves, mm -hmm. you know, right. whatever that means. Yep, a hundred percent. Anyway, so, so last question on this. I just want, Lambie, any advice you have for Black women trying to explore their lifestyles, fashion, uh, expressions, fuck it, shit, their recipes, I don't know. Like, what are your, what are your advice for Black women wanting to explore their Black femininity? Um, that's such an interesting question. I mean, like, I'm still very much on that journey, and I identify as a man, so I mean, um, you know, like as corny and as flaccid as it sounds, just live your truth um, and find your people um, that are gonna help you do that. And I feel like that's not just for black, um, pe black uh, femmes, black um, female bodies. Um, I hope I'm saying that correctly as inclusively as I can. Mm -hmm. But that's not just for Black women or um, femme bodies, but that's for anybody. Just live um, as truthfully as you can. Um, and please send me your suggestions because I'm, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm struggling and trying to figure it out too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What would uh, be, can I ask, what would be your, your advice? 
my advice, yes, is the living of your truth thing, but also actually don't be afraid to dig into knowing yourself more and understanding that there might be things that are outside of yourself that can help you learn that, right? So, you know, sure, like, let's talk about like my hair, right? Like going through the journey of having straight hair and having natural hair and like all that stuff. There's so much of that that could have just stayed on the level of hair and just like, oh, if I do this to my hair, it's damaged. If I don't do it, it's not. And then this is what it looks like here versus there. But also then taking it a step further and saying, okay, and so why was that the choice I was making my whole life? Okay, and who taught me that choice about the thing about my hair? And, and, you know, and like, oh, what was the history that backed the, the fact that this was the reality that I came into and not being afraid of those things. Because I think otherwise for me personally, this is not true necessarily for all people, then it feels very disconnected and sometimes even just trend-based, right? Like when parts of your identity, like you're toting it up and you're toting it up and you're toting it up. Like, you know, and if people are going to, not that you have to adhere to anyone's labels, but if people are gonna start having certain conversations and include your your identity into something that is a larger vehicle for a larger conversation than knowing your place as it pertains to your opinion of yourself in that space is important to know because there's a lot of like Afro-Latinx women who, who just really don't connect with this energy of the vibes of the movement. It's just not their, their truth, right? And they do know their shit, right? But then there are the ones who are walking around and are walking around getting triggered when they're having certain conversations because they don't know what they actually think about themselves and so when they're speaking and they get corrected or something comes out they feel attacked but it's like no like don't feel attacked but also like do you really know yeah. you know if you don't if you're uncomfortable knowing then just just admit I'm really uncomfortable knowing what that might mean so I'm not I'm not there that's not the the, the place that I'm entering the conversation from but knowing that is is yeah. really really important I think would be my answer word 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 I feel you yeah. Yeah, Skittles, what would your answer be? What's the piece of advice? Um, oh, for, yeah. For Black women or women in general? Women in general. Women in general. Um, gosh, if I could just inject a bit of unapologeticness into, like, all, mm -hmm. you know? I feel like Word. so much, so many times I hear, you know, and obviously, like, even Julissa touched upon it, like her, like when it comes to beauty, you know, because of what society has done or how it's presented, you know, she's a little bit more like hesitant to like just jump in. And I feel like a lot of times that's what I like find out from women is because they either don't want to be bad at it or they want to, you know, or they don't know enough about it or they don't really look into it. Or, like this kind of like hesitant because of how society has molded what being a woman is supposed to be. Um, I just wish that women live a little bit more un unapologetically the way like, you know, people in the LGBT community have to, you know, just kind of do it because people are gonna talk whatever, you know, like, you, I, I don't know if I'm making sense. Like, just no, like, like oh. that a lot more. Sense, complete sense <laughs> and what up for me gosh and i'm like stopping myself from being like bitch we can't go on for too 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 much longer. <laughs> <laughs> oh you just highlighted or spoke to something that i've been 
pondering with since I've seen uh, the documentary um, on Netflix, Transparent, yes. I think it was called. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I think that part of the freezing, I have many theories that I can't like get into profoundly right now, but like, I think one of the reasons why you know, the majority of my top tier best friends are people who are in the community, right? Has a lot to do with the fact that some of these beauty standards and things that I'm even disappointed about, I'm coming to learn, we're not ever mine in the first place, mm -hmm. right? That there is this idea in this embodiment of womanhood and like the Beyonce, the, the Beyonce presence, the, the, the Britney presence, right? This like power of the woman that is actually driven by people in the community who are bringing their essence to those women and then they get to be puppeteered because they're women that are accepted and look and that's not to say that Brittany and, and these women don't connect with the feminine energies that are coming out of the creativities of others I'm just saying that a lot of the hyper femininity we're looking at is is coming from people who are surrounded by teams right and that oftentimes these teams right when you get into the creative nook are people in the community right that, that the embodiment and the sexiness of even a like Wu Paul, right? And when you see um, drag queens or trans people on the street, yes. they're always this ultimate, like, yes. like sexiness. And, and I don't just think that that's, I don't think it's, I think for a long time, I thought it's because they really wanted to make it clear that I am, I am also, I also can participate in womanhood and I've had it wrong all along. It's because no, this is what I embody and this is what my femininity means. Mm -hmm. And it is so powerful that y'all want a piece because mm -hmm. y'all are actually living under the guise of what men want, mm -hmm. right? And the whole idea of like, we can take your man's shit that, that straight women are so afraid of. So be afraid, right? Because they're, they're owning and they're stepping into their power in a specific way. And that is what's sexy about it. So this boost of confidence that you're talking about and, and unapologeticness skills. And it, ownership. Yeah, it's an ownership thing. We don't own our femininity, right? And even the things that we've been taught that are ours are not even ours, but because it's so good and it's so powerful coming from y'all, that's what we want to claim. That's what we want to hold on to, but it is not all ours, right? Like, and I think that we need to learn how to share it. Like we need to learn how to acknowledge, okay, womanhood, right? There are aspects of womanhood that maybe came before these communities had large voice and visibility that influenced that community, right? And so they got some from, from, from cis women, right? But then you guys all have stepped into your powers and into you know your two spirits and whatever that means for you guys and have produced authenticity that we then go, ooh, and we get some from you guys, right? And then it's like a give and take. And that is why womanhood is more inclusive than what people want to make it because nothing about the woman identity stems from a woman alone. It's not about the genitals. It's about the feminine energy. Feminine energy is energy. And the more that we allow, pe we allow people to own how they harness that energy and put it out and let them claim it so that when we look at a Beyonce, it's not just, oh, because she's a bad bitch woman. And she has a fucking community with fucking, you know, LGBTQ folks who are bringing their essence to continue to elevate that so that collectively we are making a powerful statement around femininity. It is not owned by the image of people who look like Beyonce. And I think that is so important. And I'm just really coming to that now. Um, so that's, that's, that's what I wanted to say that sort of like fireworks happened in my brain while you were talking. 
Ooh, the fireworks all over. All over. Mm. Mm. Yeah, but you know, thank you so much, Lambie, for digging into this part of the discussion with us. Of course, uh, that's why I'm. At, that's where my head is at, really. Because, like, I mean, at the end of the day, too, like, it's like I'm a man stepping into a woman's like stepping into uh, visibility as a feminine being. I'm a man like use doing lip syncs, like literally like taking the words of other women um, and stuff like that. So these are always the things that I'm trying to think about, like how do I enter this space um, respectfully without stepping on any toes and um, trying to also be as um, authentic to myself as possible. Yeah, and I even this idea of like stepping on toes, like what toes? Your your femininity is yours. There's no, yes. you know. Yes, definitely. I think that yes, yes. I think that definitely, along with lip syncing and stuff like that, there's like a weird line where it can get a little bit. Um, uh, I can steal. I feel like I feel like I can just steal in a way um, from uh, intellectual property and shit like that. I feel like I'm always towing that line, but maybe me overthinking. Things. Yeah, I was gonna say maybe <laughs> sit with that because I don't think it's a steal. I'd argue that it's going back to what I'm talking about, this give and take. If you're stealing mm. it, you're stealing it back from women who had it gifted to them from the very people mm. that you that you you know what I mean. It's ours, and this is what I mean. It is not. There's no toe stepping. That is pure femininity, and you practice it in a way where it, it lives in that space of femininity. So it's actually, bitch, move your foot so I don't step on you because what you step on is their ego. <laughs> their business, I, hear that. That's I, their hear business. That. I hear that. So, you know, anywho. Um, all right. So uh Lambie, thank you so much for being on today. Tell us any shout outs. Where can we find you on social media? Uh you can find me on Instagram, Lambie0865. Um, you can find me on Twitter now um at the drama club on Twitter. Um, uh, I am Alexander underscore Lambie on Venmo. Um, and you can hear his writing couple, in the MTA plays, right? You can definitely, yes, you can hear my writing in the MTA plays. Um, that is, you can go to rattlesticktheater.org or dot com. Yeah. Look up, yeah, or rattlesticktheater.org. Um, and follow the prompts to listen to me and Julissa's um, plays on the radio plays and also Juan's awesome voice as an actor. Um, uh, I have another show coming up in, I have a residency coming up in the near future um, that I'm very excited about. Yes, excited, excited about my residency with Miss High Arts um that i'm building this uh really cool project surrounding love and liberation um so i hope to see you guys engaging that yes also also i am a baker on this platform called chef um yeah. my menu is going live i think this week actually so please buy some cakes um from okay. me from alexander lambie also known as gina cake stand um, yes please. i love that and where can they find us and you guys can find mm -hmm. us at Ladies Who Brunch it on Instagram, at Ladies Brunch it on Twitter, at Julissa for 
her Instagram at the real Skittles for my Instagram. Um, also, don't forget to hit up that YouTube channel, hit that subscribe button, comment, share with all of your friends. And yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for tuning in this week. And until next time, what don't you?